Welcome to the I Hear Design podcast series. My name is Adrienne Thompson with Interiors and Sources. And for today's episode, I am joined by John Campbell, who is the president of Francis Kaufman Architects. So John is a specialist in workplace programming, planning, and design strategies. And John, thank you so much for joining me and our listeners for today's episode. You're very welcome. We're glad to have you here. So today, John, I really want to talk about workspaces that foster innovation, something I think you're an expert in. Innovative and innovation has really been one of those words that we keep hearing about in interior design. And as I'm sure you've noticed in your own work, companies are increasingly asking for workspaces that are not only innovative in design, but also foster innovation through their designs as well. So I think our listeners would be really interested to know to kind of start us off here, what does it really take to create these environments? And I think we're, it's great we're talking to you about this topic because I know you've really broken down the innovation process into a sequence of seven steps. From what I know, that's preparation, exploration, incubation, insight, prototype and trial, planning and execution, and reflection and evaluation. So from my understanding, each of these steps requires a unique environment in order to properly facilitate the process. Kind of describe these steps for us and the environments which they take place throughout the design phase. Sure. I, I, you know, what I'd like to start a little bit is thinking about innovation and what it really means for people, because I think fundamentally, you know, it's a little bit like the, when people use the word collaboration, it means a lot of things. And, you know, there's two fundamental different modes of innovation. One is breakthrough innovation. And really, it's a very small percentage of that. And think about it like the Apple iPhone or when Uber or Airbnb, they were really disruptive. There was something brand new. And then the most of innovation really is what we would describe as line extension innovation. And think of it, you know, the iPhone came up and then over periods of time, what other things got added to it and how did it move forward and continue coming up with new components, ideas, apps associated with it. And so when we look at the innovation process, um, really fundamental, the design must address the human behaviors that drive the innovation process. And, <clears throat> excuse me, while we have the seven steps, right at the beginning, it's important to think about what's the role of space in innovation. Okay. And fundamentally, it's about the power of choice. We need to think beyond the words I and we space and create a variety of work settings. And it's more now thinking about it between the balance between engagement and disengagement. And what do we mean by that? It's engagement with people. And some of that engagement is both deliberative, uh, deliberate and other times it's serendipitous. And so it's about connection with people there. And then disengagement is really when people just need to get away uh, for concentration and contemplation quietly alone. Right. So thinking about those and how those weave through the space types in these seven steps. So, you know, in preparation here, you know, this is really a two-part phase. It's about defining the problem and understanding the task. 
And, you know, it's odd. I've been thinking about quite a bit about this recently. And if you look at architects and interior designers, actually what we do all the time is a version of innovation. You know, when we really are going through the design process, we are doing all these steps that we're talking about. And how do we have space? You know, a mixture of it's teaming together, uh, brainstorming, free thinking. And a lot of people, when they want particular innovation spaces, they want people to get up and move away from the regular space into a place where it's going to clear their mind. Uh, and, you know, in those spaces, it's about free thinking. Uh, what we find in those designing those spaces, loose furniture is very important, whiteboards, and a lot of sticky notes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because technology is hugely important, but your brain memorizes things more visually, and when you put sticky things, it's really easy to move the stickies around. Uh, we also need, you know, we've, I think, find access to food is hugely important. You know, you're really in an hour or two in a brainstorming session, and then you really need to get up, grab a cup of coffee or something, and get away, and then people end up having those quiet, informal conversations that then kick another idea in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And so that idea there, and also the idea every now and then people, ideas have been thrown out there, but you just need to get away. I mean, if most of us think about it, where do our jam of an ideas come from? I mean, I know for me, I like to run along the river in Philadelphia, and that's one of the way my brain running through nature is pondering ideas, and what happens is your brain gets away from the problem, and subconsciously, your brain's still working through the problem. So that ability to have recharged disengagement types of spaces, uh, you know, for me at work, I often will just get up and walk away and have a cup of coffee. Just think right. about it and then go back. And so when we come to the exploration, again, you know, how do you research in more detail these things? It's about gathering ideas. And it was interesting, you know, one company we've done a lot of work with, they use this gathering space it, it's like a large team area uh, and they use it and they have clients come in and ask them quick particular questions of totally diverse industries to the industry that they're in because they're looking for disruptive ideas and sometimes you know what you know and you only know your own company so well so going outside your industry can often provide huge insight but again, it's really um, informal, kicking ideas, getting people to free think a lot more. Right. And then, um, so a lot of people in these things, if a project's over a certain period of time, these innovation rooms become almost like team rooms, war rooms over several months, where it becomes, you know, a visual working wall through the number of steps. Other people, they want to have these big upfront sessions and then they go and they work in other spaces and team rooms and smaller scale. So each company has a different way of looking at it as they approach innovation. 
And when it comes to the incubation, I talked a little more that before, it's about how do you get disengaged? How do you let that subconscious mind work? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people will happen at home or happen out with the office. You know, I think you're seeing more people wanting to provide uh, spaces for people to get out of the office and walk, see some nature, get a different view uh, of things. Right. And, and then coming back here is insight is that point when you, as a team, you really need to come together and find out, does this idea really stick? Does it make sense? Do we really want to invest and take it further forward? You know, if you look at a, uh, an interior design firm or architecture firm, there comes a point when we've got multiple solutions we've been sketching up. And then you really start analyzing them and say, you know, which solution is the one we really want to present or take further and develop it. And so it's very similar. And at that point, you then, you know, you have to test these options. depending on the type of innovation. You know, if it's a computer code, those may go back to individuals and they're working on it and then they might have a daily scrum to test ideas and see where they are. And that requires a particular a smaller type of space to quickly test ideas and discuss where they're going. Some other in products, you know, you're needing 3D printers and other aspects, makerspace, to actually test uh, whether things are really going to work or not work. And more, what typically happens at that time is, you know, there's that expression is fail fast, fail frequently. And so you're not wasting time developing ideas that are going to read down blind alleys. So that's where this loop comes, where you go back to exploration and incubation and insight. And you may go around that several times before you define that the actual innovation idea, material product that you want to do, this is good and fit for market. And then those type of spaces, it really becomes, how do we make this work? How do we test it for market? And it becomes a little bit like in the design profession when we get into the CDs, it's all about doing the detailed documentation, the scheduling, the processing, and then it goes to market and you see how it performs. And then what happens later is you, it's time for reflection and evaluation. You know, if you think about it, take iTunes. I mean, that was a real disruptor. But you even look at this, you know, you're not even going to be able to buy an iPod anymore because the model of iTunes is putting itself out of business. Right. Uh, as so that innovations kept going. So that's how these type of spaces uh, tie into each other. Um, and, I, and I think going back to when you started uh, discussing your steps, I think we're seeing a lot more of these flexible environments being created and taking all of this into consideration. You know, it's no more necessarily fitting a open office or closed office category, but something that kind of encompasses a little bit of everything. So people can have those breakaway times and maybe they are so busy at home that they have that excuse me, incubation stage in the office in a nice quiet work pod or something like that. We're just seeing a lot more 
opportunities available for people to kind of break away and then also have those gathering points to grab a coffee and run into each other, like you said. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you look at the characteristics of space types, you know, each space type has certain characteristics, but there's really no hard and fast rules for the sizes, the ratios, or the specific configuration. You know, the, I would say from a design perspective, the real goal is to provide choices with every company or institution. They'll have their own particular ap approach and how you investigate these. You know, one of the things we say here is culture's king. Uh, and if the company, if you understand that, it sets the boundaries for creative thinking. You know, some companies are really pushing, there's constantly asking you to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And then there are other companies that are much more process driven and trying to get people to think a little differently from the, what they do. In some cases there, you actually really do need to create a separate innovation hub or innovation zone to get people away and thinking differently. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And now how, you know, putting words into action, just describe a few examples of your own personal work, if you would, of how you've kind of put these steps into sure. action. So it, it, it's funny because um, GSK GlaxoSmithKline, it's a global pharmaceutical company. We've done several different types of innovation spaces for them, varying from one for an R&D group that was actually just a single room near an R&D space. And what they wanted there was people to be able to just get away in a relaxing atmosphere and think differently. And so this single room includes a relaxed lounge areas, sofa chairs, it's got a large monitor, and, and you know, it feels more like your home living room and with certain inspirational objects around. But a separate area there is, there's the kitchen table. But again, the furniture at this kitchen table is much more relaxed and movable whiteboards. Mm -hmm. And so what they felt was, let's get away from the norm think ideas, but be inspired by what were reminders of our industry. And, but there's that sort of ability to flow informally between the kitchen table setting and a more relaxed informal living room setting. You know, different, different the, the two there have different sort of behavioral activities. You know, the setting, if you think of a conversation around a kitchen table and then really sitting on a couch, Typically, those conversations can be different. Exactly. And then, so another one we did for them was a, a series of innovation hubs in a couple of different locations. And this was a much larger uh, initiative they had where it was about process improvement. Mm -hmm. And so included in this thing were some larger spaces, informal, it's an area where there's whiteboards, movable furniture, tables, chairs, the room can be divided. And so it's about a brainstorming war room space 
where you kick around ideas and then immediately adjacent to those are some other very informal for casual conversations but equally there's also some uh, quiet booths concentration booth booths and then it's close to people's individual working uh, desks and what they found here is that this has been very successful in creating new ideas and also looking at process improvement right. and so what they have with those things is being able to reduce cycle times uh, you know a different client we did uh, an innovation space and then it was really also to look at their IT process of the future uh, and that became because we actually beta tested that talking about the prototype and trial uh, we end up running a couple of pilot areas to test and see whether this was really going to work or not and then this IT group on a sprint they reckoned at the end they were being 10% more effective than they were uh, before so again the purpose of these innovations and prototyping and trialing them before you roll it out is hugely important and uh, I think one lot yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just to say, you know, we're talking about the design and the layout, and I think what you also highlighted on too is the products being used. And I'm seeing a lot of products that can be just as flexible as the environments they're in. You know, I've seen whiteboards that you can turn it around, and there's a green wall on the back to add a biophilic element, and then obviously flexible furniture that can just kind of move on the fly when you need it to, whether it's on rollers or can be easily pulled to be reconfigured that also really adds to the space too on what products you choose for the space hugely important and I think this whole idea of the green ability is also extremely important you know one of the I would say one of the most important things in these spaces is natural light and wherever possible giving people a view to nature and if it's not possible uh, for the location the idea of the whiteboard that's able to be turned around and have a, a green wall on the back of it is a perfect solution to help it exactly kind of a two-for-one and it also saves on space too so so John what, know, go yeah, ahead go sorry no please go ahead I think one of the interesting things here is innovation is so constant and it's always evolving and always changing. So by providing a certain series of fixed settings and they're more the sort of informal meetings, the cafe, the quiet boost for concentration, but then these larger meeting, brainstorming, war room spaces, that's where really the furniture has to be flexible because you have multiple uses, multiple settings, and different people like it set in different ways. You know, we're, uh, we have to in this day and age cater that we're all different individuals, extroverts, introverts, and we all have a lot to contribute. Uh, and so catering for each is huge. Yes, and having those diverse environments really helps with that as well. So, Absolutely. Um, so, John, what is a final tip you might have for either a designer looking to start a project, facilitating innovation, or 
if you'd rather answer a tip for a company who's considering a remodel and they want to include spaces that foster innovation as well. So I, I you know, I have um, a couple of thoughts here. One is, first of all, you got to understand the company culture mm-hmm. because that sets the boundaries for the level of creative thinking. Uh, number two, provide a variety of spaces, each tailored to foster a specific type of activity. You understanding the behaviors uh, that people have and how they think and act is huge. As I mentioned earlier, the role and the power of choice and that balance between engagement and disengagement. I, I think it's much more important looking at in that as, a, as opposed to the older thought of I, we, and social space. Uh, and really at the end of the day, it's a, to enable innovation is about providing the right spaces and tools, which is equally important, to enable people to use their creative brains in the best manner to come up with new ideas. And I think it's we're each individuals and we each have different requirements. So that variety of space really in choice is huge. And I think you said it well when you said earlier, culture is king. So. I think if that's the number one takeaway people can get out of this conversation we had, that's a pretty good piece of advice. Well, thank you. I really appreciate this has been a good conversation. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. and we so appreciate your insight on what it takes to, again, create workspaces that foster innovation, something people are really looking for, um, obviously, in 2019 and heading into 2020 as well. So, John, thank you again, and thank you to our listeners. We hope you join us again for another time for more topics on commercial interior design with I Hear Design.